Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. I don't normally bring on Dave Eckert to talk about recruiting, but when breaking news happens, we talk about it on the BWI Daily Edition. Uh, Dave, how you doing today? I'm doing great, T. Frank. I'm excited about the recruiting news. Yeah, so let's get right to it because uh, we're going to talk about this tomorrow in depth with Ryan Snyder, and we'll be talking about it next week with recruiting uh, ranking director of On3, Charles Powell. We're going to get into a bunch of stuff with the class of 2023, but the news today, if you did not see this already, is that Penn State officially has a five-star commit for the class of 2023. Offensive lineman from Wyoming, Reading, Pennsylvania, Jevin Williams has been bumped up from a high four-star to a five-star by Penn State, uh, or by on three for Penn State. So this is uh, big news when it comes to the recruiting rankings, Dave. It is. And it's big news if you're invested in Penn State's offensive line and its improvement because Penn State kind of has two, you know, elite level offensive linemen with Williams and Alex Berkmeyer, who is kind of on that four or five star bubble as well. So exciting stuff. Yeah, two interior players that are both borderline five stars with Jevin Williams being the Jevin Williams being the one announced today as a five star. Um and and, and I said this earlier on Twitter and I'll say it here again. I I'm going to do my best not to throw my shoulder out patting myself on the back about Jevin Williams because <laughs> you know watching watching his film if you want to check it out I'll throw the link in in the description of this video of T Frank's film room about Jevin Williams. He's 
he's phenomenal. Like, I'm not surprised that he's uh, seen as a five-star by on three and potentially in the future uh, by other recruiting services as well, even as an interior player, because I don't think he's just an interior player, Dave. I think he's got the potential to be able to play tackle at Penn State. He may be an NFL player, and that's what that five-star really means, is like if you were to draft 32 players to go into the NFL – He'd be one of the first round picks. So he's a, he is an, a definite NFL potential player. But as an interior player, that might be where he goes in the NFL. College, I have no problem him playing tackle. That's a big thing for Penn State at this point, right, Dave? They don't have a lot of tackle prospects. Definitely. We've talked about this a lot. So getting some elite level talent there is important. Um, how does he kind of fit into, because they've got four commits now. Yeah, Frank. And obviously he's not a new commit, but I know you wrote about this a little bit this morning. How does he fit into the puzzle with those guys? You know, do, do, is it is yeah. it a, can they make a cohesive unit out of out of that group? Yes, actually, I think they fit together pretty well. And this is uh, I wrote about this earlier this week when I was building an offensive line out of the players in the class of 2023. And despite the fact that Anthony Donko. 35-inch arms, tackle prospect for Penn State, I put him on the right side because the best athlete and the best player and the guy that has all of the things and the earmarkers of of being the best lineman, with respect to Alex Birchmeyer, by the way, who is another guy that I think is phenomenal. The left tackle I picked for Jevin Williams despite being ranked as an interior player because he's just that good. So you've got him with tackle potential who could be great on the interior if Penn State were to get another true tackle prospect. Donko on the other side. Alex Birchmeyer, I, I get the sense he could be a great center. And, and Penn State's seeing a lot of, with their zone blocking scheme, they're seeing a lot of nose tackles, tight fronts. And what you need to do to beat those condensed fronts is to have somebody that can just throw people, right, at that center position that can handle a nose tackle. Birchmeyer can play any of the interior three positions at a high level. So he can play center or guard. And if you're building an offensive line, you're going to go with the three positions to start of tackle, tackle, center. So I put him at center. Then you have Joshua Miller, who we're going to hear from. We're having an interview with him later, early next week. He's the right guard, and he's 328 pounds. He's a physical, strong blocker with just phenomenal pad level. So they've got athletes, length, strength positional skills this is a really good offensive line coach uh, line class for offensive line coach phil troutwine it, it it feels like the real deal mm. yeah it's exciting um you know it, it's it's exciting and it's also a little bit strange because with offensive linemen we know that it's gonna be a while <laughs> you right. know right uh, they have some bridges to cross before they get these kids on campus one and and ready for for college football too. So and um, you were you were writing something about this and I don't if you just give us a quick thumbnail because I I think this is something coming out today uh, as a recording it's Thursday for the BWI Daily Edition that you're writing about you know the offensive line and recruiting at this position it's a hard one to predict even when you have a really strong feel right it is yeah I've, I'm I'm going through all of the top rated offensive line commits that Penn State has landed and a lot of them haven't lived up to it most of them haven't lived up to it really um and, and look offensive line is weird right because it feels like it's one of those positions where you're never happy with what you're getting if you're a fan <laughs> um but clearly you know you you've got to you've got to land the talent but you've also got to you've you've got to develop the talent as well 
Um, and I think that Penn State maybe hasn't done that historically as well it, it, as fans would have liked to see. And it's kind of borne out in, in, in what I'm looking at. Um, but certainly got to be excited about the news today. Um, nothing but a positive for Penn State fans, for sure. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we'll be covering this as it develops and as the rest of the 2023 stuff comes out because, uh, you know, the, all of this stuff is 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 a constant process in recruiting. So mm-hmm. we'll keep you up to date on all that stuff. But... You, Dave, are not here just filling in for Ryan Snyder talking about Jevin Williams. You're also filling in for Nate Bauer, who's normally our guest on the mailbag segment. But uh, Nate was caught in some travel issues. So you're here on the uh, on the recruiting, excuse me, the recruiting show. Flip gears here on the mailbag side of things. Are you ready to get going on that? I am. I am the human Swiss Army knife and... Uh, my Swiss Army knife has a mailman attachment. That was a horrible <laughs> joke. I'm sorry, but <laughs> that's all right. We'll uh, we'll move on. We'll play the the fancy graphic, and we'll uh, we'll get to some of the questions here. So this is our BWI mailbag session with myself and today Dave Eckert filling in. Uh, if you ever want to get a question on the show, make sure you uh, either are a member at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Sign up for just $1, and you can get 12 months of access. You can ask us these questions directly. I was having a conversation today. I've had two awesome conversations on the message board. The first one, we were talking about lifting, and we were talking about testing numbers and different um, you know, strength index things amongst Penn State offensive lineman in the class of 2023. Still talking about that stuff with Anthony Donko, some stuff that came up there. Super stimulating conversation about strength and and lifting and all of those things. And then I was talking about ACL injuries today and kind of the the diving into the rate of which athletes come back from ACL injuries. All of it related to Penn State sports, but also totally unrelated, just awesome information. So if you want to get in on any of those conversations or ask the show, that's the best way to go. BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Sign up for just $1, 12 months of access. So another homework piece here is go into the description of the video again. The first link is going to be sign up for just a dollar. Okay. So one of our message board members, John H., asks, how many outgoing transfers do you suspect Penn State will see from the start of spring practice to maybe midsummer? For example, the running back room. Uh, for those listening on the podcast, I'm summarizing uh, his his paragraph here. At least one might leave. And then since the issue of 85 member scholarship limit has been raised, assuming PSU will be over the limit, bringing in a couple of transfers, there still needs to be a few outs, a couple slots open up for the guys that are coming in. So, Dave, you did a great breakdown, and you've been updating your your roster uh, scholarship chart this offseason. Where is Penn State right now, and what would you expect the numbers need to be for Penn State to get to equilibrium by the midsummer heading into fall? Yeah, so based on, you know, the information that's available to us I, I and, and my count, uh, I have them at 85 right now um, after the Hunter Norzad edition. So that would mean that theoretically, you know, they don't they don't have to, to 
to lose anybody. Um, but clearly, they're still active in the transfer portal. Um, they've, they've just uh, offered a defensive end from Georgia Tech, whose name is escaping me. T-Fan, Jordan Dominic. Yep. Um, so, you know, they're, they're still pursuing guys. And, and I think it's reasonable to expect that, you know, there, there will be an out or two. That's just kind of how it works. Um, but I, I don't think they're forced to, you know, have, have some have any subtractions there. Yeah, this is this is one where I don't know that it's going to be a ton because clearly Penn State, as you mentioned, is still looking at guys in the portal. Um, and and how we're seeing this evolve, Dave, is another interesting part of the conversation because last season I don't particularly remember specifically, but. The guys just announced that they were coming to Penn State. Like, there was some rumor, and then it happened pretty quickly. This turning into actual recruiting, where you send out multiple offers, maybe you're moving on from a guy, maybe you're not. I don't know how many defensive ends Penn State's trying to get. Like, are they trying to get two? Yeah. It, it probably, is it more than that? I mean, if they're offering the twins from North Texas, uh, Grayson and Gabriel uh, Allen, I want to say? Uh, yeah, anyway, they, they those two... Um, they are a package deal, it seems. So they need to at least offer two defensive ends. So I, I don't know. I, I This is a hard one to really predict. I think they're, we know they're still after another offensive lineman in the portal, so there's three, so you need to at least have three transfer out. You know, I don't know that it's going to be a ton, like you said. So we'll move on to another question that I think we have a better idea of. Old Frog 26 <laughs> asks, who will be the punt and kickoff returners this year? What can be done to improve the potential for explosive plays from the special teams? What do you think about the first part of that question? Who comes to mind for punt and kickoff return? Well, yeah. um, Devin Ford was their primary kickoff returner last year. Um, So, obviously, you know, he'll be back. But, um, you know, another guy that we could see there is Caden Saunders, who we know has a has a you know a good a good background of doing that at the yeah. high school level um we like his his tools um to be able to do that but as far as the second part of that i don't i question whether penn state like really wants that you know right. i i think and maybe it's different with stacy collins but listening to to joe lorg and what he had to say about the return game they were very very content to play it conservative and give their offense the ball at the 25 yard line. That's just, it wasn't, it wasn't an issue for them. I think fans made it into more of an issue than Penn state actually views it. Um, They don't want mistakes. That is their special teams philosophy. They do not want mistakes. So, you know, if, if they feel like they have someone special back there, will they maybe take some more risks, you know, it's possible, but I don't necessarily know that it's like item number one on the checklist. The The difference is that I don't think it's one guy for punt and kick return. Typically, those are different skill sets. You've got kick returners that have to have speed and the ability to break yep. tackles. But punt returners are more agility, short area quickness, and then the burst. So that's the difference is Penn State has traditionally had a running back. You mentioned Devin Ford be the kickoff returner because it makes sense. Physical, tackle breaking, wide open speed. Don't forget, Miles Sanders 
and Saquon Barkley both started as kick returners. So if you're going to have a freshman tailback play, uh, you know, I don't know that it's Catron Allen's skill, but it is Nick Singleton's skill. I could absolutely see if he's going to play in, in 2022 that that's a guy that's going to have an opportunity. If you want to get him more touches and it may not all be at running back, kickoff would be a great place. And then uh, punt returners I'm less certain of because – you look at the receivers and you look at – I think Caden Saunders is a great opportunity if he's another guy that they don't want to redshirt. If he's going to play this fall, that's another – just like Singleton, that's a way to get the ball in his hands and see if something happens. Um, the only way that it is a priority is if you've got somebody that makes it a priority. Again, like right. a Barkley. And in their freshman seasons, I don't are, – are those guys – they'd have to prove that they're that – that you're going to like, we're going to now focus on kick returns and not just worry about conservatively starting at the 25. Because if you got somebody that guarantees you that anyway, then why not? Because good kick returners should be able to get you to the 25. Um, punt return, the name that comes to mind just because he's listed as athlete is Marquise Wilson. So does he get an opportunity to do that? As a, a veteran player, he's a junior. He's a he's a receiver and a DB, so he fits both of those criteria <laughs> as a guy that is going to be able to, you know, has those short area quickness skills. Um, those those two, I'd say, would be the ones I would point to. But punt return, I expect less out of than kick return. Punt return is absolutely a just make the right decision, right, Dave? Like you just said, either catch the ball and get us at the fifteen if it's going to be the two. Or let the ball go over your head and we'll get it at the 25 instead of at the at the 17. It, it, that is more, you're right, in, in punt return especially. Don't fumble, don't muff the punt, and then make the right decision about whether to catch it or not. Pocono 570, how much damage did, the COVID, did COVID really do to the 2020 recruiting class in terms of development, talent, depth on the current roster? This one, is there actually like a tangible way to answer this, Dave? Probably not, but I think when you're, you know, you ask members of the coaching staff about it, they are, you know, fairly enthusiastic about saying that it did matter. Right. Um, yeah, we've heard James Franklin talk about this a lot. And and is it probably in, in James Franklin's best interest to say that based on how the last couple of seasons have gone? Yes, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think that there's something to that, right? I mean... Not only did you not practice as frequently, not only did you lose entire phases of your offseason, you know, when you were able to practice, it was, you know, there were all these restrictions. So, right. yeah, I think it matters. Um, it'll be interesting to see if these guys get to their ceilings two years from now. Um, but certainly the short-term effect for me has mattered whether or not it's um you know wh whether or not it factors into the long-term development i don't think we know the answer to that yet yeah but short term absolutely so i'm just gonna throw out a couple of guys here that i think it goes either way truthfully mm. so curtis jacobs got to play early and it was a benefit for him right so he played in 2020 yep. as, as a true freshman and we see him now as the Will linebacker, presumably going into spring football as a leader on the defense. That worked out for him. Keandre Lambert-Smith has struggled because he played early, and the drops and some of the consistency issues, I think, have played into maybe some of the confidence of the position or the, the, the team's confidence in him at times where, 
you know, I point to it again and not to not to beat on this and, and beat the kid up, but he was benched a couple of times late in big games because he dropped the football. And if he wasn't called upon as a true freshman and got out there in those situations, like what's the development path like that there? You, you can you can make a case either way. Kaziah Holmes redshirted last season. So instead of having a redshirt season in 2020, he had to do that last year. So that is an absolute, you can see that's one thing that, that happened there. Kevon Lee, same thing. You know, I, I think Kevon Lee playing early wasn't necessarily the best thing for him because I think it set an unrealistic expectation for him that he was the lead back, that he was going to be the guy. And we saw some of the consistency issues and the growing pains that happened because he didn't have that time to work into the lineup as opposed to being thrown in there, and, and the, the Noah Kane injury obviously was a huge part of that. But in 2020, you know, the whole thing was kind of rolled into that. Other guys in, in the uh, group, Kaziah Izzard, uh, is, a, is somebody who needs to develop and was th thrust into the... He was thrust in the spotlight this past season, again, because of injury. But if he was developed the way he should have been in 2020, does that change his trajectory going forward? He... I don't know that he was fully ready for the spotlight. And maybe he wouldn't have been anyway, but I know that that lag in development made it so that it was even more of a struggle than it than it would have been. And then the guys that we haven't seen along the offensive line, I don't know that there's any way for us to really know. You know, Jimmy Christ, uh, Chumba, uh, I mean, Vanover. Like you said, it takes a long time for these guys to develop. So what is it, uh, whether or not they're going to be ready or not anyway? So... Hard to tell, but I think we have a couple of different ways you can look at that. Okay, next one, Dave. From your experience, I say Dave, but this is directed almost directly at me. Psykim asks, from your experience... Please take this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from your experience, can kids improve 40 speed at the age of 16 to 18? Even a percentage improvement can make a difference. Uh, nice interview with our quarterback, uh, quarterback recruit yesterday that he's referring to my uh, conversation with Lamont Payne. We did here on the BWI daily edition. So check that out. If you haven't seen it, he's a really smart, really, I think mature grounded kid. I was super impressed with him as, as a person and as a football mind. Uh, only question, maybe he did not have a top end 40 speed. So Lamont said on the show, uh, on the daily edition that he ran a four, five, three with an injured hip. Uh, at a camp at Pitt. So do you think he has adequate mobility and hip movement to stay a cornerback is something they desperately need? Thanks for kind words and about enjoying the program. So first off, yes, you can absolutely get faster from 16 to 18. You can get faster from 18 to 21. Like we've seen Jahan Dotson's a perfect example of a guy that improved his 40 time. Now, there is some stuff that I'm not an expert on of slow twitch muscles and fast twitch muscles, and you're born with those. So can you develop them? Yes, but you can't make new of those. And I don't know the science behind that. Uh, my expert in the house is not here for me to ask on the show. Uh, but when it comes to speed, the other thing is 4.53, Dave, is a good speed for a corner in high school. That's good. You have NFL corners that have a 4.53 40-yard dash. And the way he plays, the way Lamont plays with physicality, and yes, he does have great hip mobility. He stays with receivers really well when he's not anticipating and getting too jumpy at the line of scrimmage. Something he talked about of his maturity and patience. When he's not doing all of those, he looks the part. He's great. So even if he didn't get faster, I think 4.53, if that's the time, that's a good number. Like that, that's a number you can play with and you can win with because he has so many other tools and talents. Anything you want to mention on this? Yeah. I mean, 
Penn State loves that like bigger, longer, more physical brand of corner too, don't they? You know, yeah. so like, are are they gonna run from those traits? Uh, it, it, I don't know. Um, it, it seems like they've been pretty willing to stick with those guys. So obviously, this is more your domain, but I just think if you look at you know some of the corners in Penn State's recent history, it, it does seem like he's pretty similar. Yeah, yeah, and. and- you're never going to turn down length and, and, and size. He's six foot tall. He's got a good reach. So all of those tools are there. And that's, that is, you know, that, that about six feet tall, you want to have 30 as long as possible. Like Joey Porter jr. Is great, but you right. know, 31 plus inch arms, 33 is always the number. I think universally in football where you get to 32 or 33 inch arms and you're, you're set. Uh, but you know, he plays well in so many different areas that it's all the projection but he projects favorably. And uh, one of the things he said to me after the interview, which I, I just, uh, I, I knew this was coming. Uh, he's like, just by the way, uh, I'm a four-star in the other recruiting services. And and, and I just wanted, <laughs> we have him as a three-star in on three. And I agree with him. Like, I really like his game. I think he's a little underrated. So I just wanted to say that out loud. Uh, so yeah, I, Lamont, Way, Lamont Payne is a great prospect for Penn State and I don't think he needs to get too much faster to be a part of the conversation a corner uh, mature player so we'll see what his senior season brings is whether that can inform he can be a contributor early so our friend from Twitter we're getting to our Twitter questions at Thomas Frank Carr if you ever want to ask a question of the show Beaverman 72 holding it down uh we need to take. I know we need to take winter workout shoutouts with a grain of salt, but is it impressive that Zane Durant has been recognized multiple times, or concerning that Izzard, Elise, and Beeman have not been recognized? Maybe I missed some shoutouts along the way. There was a new round of them again, and uh, I think it was this week on Tuesday. Zane Durant got another one, so that's two or three at this point. Uh, but the rest were announced today before our recording. So first part, what do you think about that? And then. Who were the ones that stood out to you today on Thursday with the shout-outs? Yeah. If you listen to our um, live show on Monday, I think you know where I stand with the, the winter workout tweets. Like, are they information that is relevant and helpful? Yes. Am I willing to, like, derive long-term conclusions from them most of the time? No. You know, because I mean, you know, I get it. Uh, it. It's 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 what we have to go off of. But um, you know, I just I'm hesitant to to make projections based off of tweets. But um, I think Smith Vilbert got one on Thursday. Yes. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, he's somebody that we've kind of got circled. Um, the other one that was notable was um, Bo Prabula. Mm-hmm. Uh, who got the quarterback one. And then um, Nick Singleton got one. I th- is that his first? Yes. I think that's his first one. Yep. And then I think for the second time, Olu Fashanu got the offensive line one. Um, so, you know, those are all guys that we're interested in. And um, I think in Fashanu's case specifically, that's a guy that Penn State needs to see growth from. Yeah. Um, so it's encouraging that he's uh, – that he's getting he's getting that nod but yeah i don't know you know as far as am i going to start ringing alarm bells because certain guys aren't winning these no um but it is nice to know uh you know who the coaching staff is kind of 
it's kind of circled and, and, yeah. and underlined for us to 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 take note of. What I want to know, two things, is um, <laughs> what position is Zane Durant playing? Yeah. I, I think he's a three technique. He's probably like he's gonna be a three technique, but you know, at two hundred and sixty pounds, and he's uh, you know making these moves this early. If he if they want to get him on the field, is he like a third down specialist as a pass rusher? Is he a strong side defensive end to start uh, and then work him in? You know, if he's pushing for playing time, then we have to have that conversation. So that's the interesting part to me about Zane Durant. And then secondly, I need to know who his high school strength coach is or if he had like a private strength coach in Florida because he is he's stacked to begin with and he's been stacked yeah, since man. high school. But yep. he's putting on a show, apparently, this offseason. That's really impressive. Yeah. So he's a huge get in that class. He was at the uh, I went to watch or to take some photos of Penn State's uh, football players hanging out with the Thon kids. Um, and he looked, he looked big when he, he was there hanging out with the kids and, and he was, he was impressive physically for sure. So yeah, he's, he's a guy to watch. Definitely. Uh, so we'll get to our last question here, Dave. This is from Joe Ferguson on Twitter, Joseph Ferguson 7. Do you see the offense scaling back on multiple tight end sets based on the lack of production from last year? Washington Mega KLS seem to be more promising targets. We have actually we have a bonus one I need to get to as well um, that I'll throw in here that has <laughs> has a similar theme. So you start with that while I go get our, our last question. Yeah. Um, so... Based on what the coaching staff has said about the tight ends after the season, I think that they actually want to get them more involved. Um, they still feel that all three of those tight ends, and maybe even four or five, um, depending on what Jerry Cross and Cleo Dinkins do and, and how they grow, are very good. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, are, are we going to see fewer three tight end sets? Maybe, but if that does happen, I don't think it's because Penn State thinks less of its tight ends. Um, I think if that happens, it's just a natural evolution of the offense or Mike Yurcich tweaking some things schematically. I don't think it's our tight ends aren't as good as we thought they were. Let's yeah. take one of them or two of them off the field now. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. So here's the second question I wanted to add and on, uh, do a little bit of this editing on the fly. So uh, PSU87 asks... Is there any sense they're going to throw to the tight ends more this year? <laughs> Mentioning the the winter workout tweets again, Theo's won tight end of the day like three times, so he's been impressive as a, as a winter workout warrior. So I think it just goes to it just depends. This this is actually a good thing, right? So this is where you want to be as long as you have a quarterback and a system and everything in place where you've got so many different options that people like. You could point to hey. Three tight end sets of the future for this team because Theo Johnson is taking a step forward. Tyler Warren looked great at the end of last season, and that's going to push Brenton Strange as the starter, who was a great run blocker. Uh, so, so you've got three options there. I would say I would come down more with uh, PSU 87 here than I would with Joe in that yeah. I don't know that we know anything about Malik Mega, and Keandre Lambert-Smith offers huge upside, but he's got to play more consistently what we talked about earlier. So Mitchell Tinsley is the name here. Washington, Mitchell Tinsley, those are going to be the top two targets. From there, it's going to be a dogfight as to who gets the next part of the offensive reps because tight end, third receiver, running back, 
who's gonna, who is it going to be? Because there are only so many um, there's only so many plays to go around, and I think that's putting you in a good position. If if I were to make you Dave between the two, tight end position, third receiver, where are you putting your your chips? If you're if you're if you're doing an early futures bet, which one would you say? <laughs> um, probably the tight ends. Um, I also, I want to add that I'm actually changing my stance. Um, the assistant coach winter workout tweets are actually my, my, basically my Bible now because <laughs> I picked Theo Johnson as my breakout player before the season and he's won it three times. So now I look smart. There but, you go. Um, <laughs> smart man. Yeah, you know, um, I think, yeah, I mean, James Franklin before the season last year said, we think we have one of the best tight end rooms in the country. And when he was kind of asked after the season, like, Hey, do you still think that he was like, you know, he he didn't, he didn't change his, his take. So I think Penn state really likes its tight ends. I like Penn state's tight ends. I think they have some growing to do, but I don't think that um, the wide receivers are so deep and so explosive that they're going to be taking you know they're going to say, "Oh, only one tight end on the field at a time," because yeah. we got to got to get these wide receivers out there. I don't think that's I don't think that's feasible. Yeah, and if you look at I, I looked at the tight end room as a whole earlier this offseason when it came to targets, and they were third on the team. So the tight end position definitely has a higher ranking maybe than the third receiver on the team, and you know part of that is who's stepping up. You know, one game it might be matchup driven and, and Keandre Lambert Smith had had some big games and, and was getting some more targets. And then you saw a, a shift between who was the primary receiving tight end. But as you said, James Franklin believes they're at their best when they can have multiple tight ends on the field. And and let me explain why. And it's not a hard concept, but if you've got Theo Johnson, who is 6'6", 250 out there, 256, whatever he is, and you've got Bretton Strange, who's 253 pounds, and he's 6'6", and you have uh, any number of these guys who are 6'5", plus, 250+, plus, they're, they're run blockers. They are better run blockers, and they don't have to be involved as receivers necessarily to give you an advantage. So that's the that's the beauty of the Gronk tight end. That whole revolution we we almost had in the mid two thousands, the two thousand tens at the tight end position with the George Kittles and and all these guys that you you look for these unicorns because they block like linemen, they catch like receivers, and it gives you a distinct advantage on the football field of. Whoever you line up against them, that player is the incorrect body type to play against them. And that's what the tight end... And if you've got two of those guys, and you can start out in an I formation with one in the backfield, one lined up in line, and then split to a four-receiver set, you've officially ruined the day of the defense if you've got two guys out there that can legitimately run routes. So that's why tight ends are valuable when you can find them. Penn State has to do a better job of implementing those things and targeting them on those plays. They, I don't think that the targeting was consistent, even when there were routes that were open or routes that could be open. So that's another part of that as well. Uh, so great conversation. Enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, whenever you need me to fill in, I'm available. Um, but yeah, I had fun. Any basketball thoughts? Get you out of here on some basketball thoughts. When is Penn State basketball playing next? The loss to uh, Maryland was rough. I know we talked about that it on was. the Monday live show. So what's the out <laughs> there? So what, what's the damage done and what's the next path forward? So, yeah, 
the the Maryland loss more or less means that Penn State needs a very surprising result, um, either at Rutgers, Rutgers or at Illinois um, in the last week of the season to have a chance at the NIT. Um, and they also need to beat Northwestern and Nebraska at home, um, which you would expect them to do. But, you know, this is Penn State basketball and, you know, you rarely get the expected. <laughs> um, right. But uh, they've got senior night Friday. Um, I'm actually I'm working on a big piece about John Hera, um, which I'm excited about. That'll probably come out early next week sometime if you want to keep an eye out about, eye out for that one. Um, but yeah, they've got Northwestern Friday. They beat Northwestern on the road earlier this season. Um, I, you know, they're ahead of Northwestern in the Big Ten standing. So if you're trying to avoid the first day of the Big Ten tournament, this is pretty much a game that you have to have. Um, but, you know, as far as the, the NIT push, I think uh, they're going to need something really surprising um, to get that done. Well, we'll keep up to date with all that stuff at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Dave does a great job following basketball and basketball recruiting. At David Eckert 98 I gave him an extra capital in his E. Uh, my bad there. And the D, right? You you went all lowercase. You went understated for your Twitter I handle. I did. Yeah. yeah. So I was, but, you know, you've corrected my grammar, T. Frank. So I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I, well, correctness is more important than correcting your grammar with Twitter handles. And you could have thirty-six <laughs> numbers in your name, and if I condensed it down to one point seven five, it would be wrong. So, uh, <laughs> make sure you follow him on Twitter. Is what I'm trying to say. And of course, BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Once again, uh, sign up for just a dollar, get access to all this information, so you don't have to wait to have the no. And of course, if you're listening right now and you hear that, that's our outro music, which used to be our intro music, but was always our outro music. When you're hearing that, if you watch to this point, we are 35 minutes in of great conversation. You like the video. So give the video a like. Subscribe to Blue White Illustrated on YouTube and have yourself a fantastic day. We'll be back tomorrow. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit KS Gambling Help 
Facebook.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.